Oh, it's recording now. Okay. Oh, yeah. shoot. So, hello, everyone. I'm Stephanie Carvin. I'm an associate professor at Carleton University and former national security analyst. And I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by Julian Ku, who is a professor at Hofstra University and is an expert in U.S. foreign policy, Chinese foreign policy, and international law. And I couldn't think of anyone else who I'd like to talk about the whole Meng to Michael's issue. So thanks for joining me, Julian. Oh, thanks. Thanks, Stephanie. This is great. So I don't know about you, but yesterday this came as a huge surprise that there was this uh, deferred prosecution agreement first, and then it, suddenly the extradition requirement was dropped. And Meng, of course, you know, had this kind of odd press conference in Vancouver and was pretty much immediately off back to China. And then, you know, I had personally expected there to be a delay between um, the actual release of Meng and the two Michaels. But lo and behold, that evening, 8.45, you know, Eastern time, we found out that the two Michaels were on their way back to Canada. So I thought, you know, we should just parse out what a deferred prosecution agreement actually is. So a DPA is an agreement between the government, the prosecutor, and the defendant to sort of not, the government agrees not to prosecute you uh, for a certain amount of time, like one year. In this case, it's one year. And in the interim, you agree, the defendant, to various things. Typically, actually, you agree that, one, the government, whatever the government's allegations are true, or at least to some degree true, and then you agree to sort of compensate them uh, for you know what you've done, um, or you agree to cooperate in helping them with their broader investigation. Um, and it's often used against companies for foreign corruption, and they say, "Oh, we're sorry, we agree not to be corrupt anymore, <laughs> and maybe and uh, and to stop these payments and to pay you a fine." Um, so that's what it, that's typically. And then if they cooperate uh, toward the end of the time, then they just uh, the government agrees at the end of the period if they continue their cooperation and comply with it. The government pulls uh, pulls the charges, so they drop the prosecution. So that's what happened here. So the prosecution is dropped, suspended until next December. Right. So she's technically not out of the woods yet, but I mean, it's going to be pretty hard to do something if she's in China. Right. Well, that's what's unusual is that usually a DPA is against a company or individual who remains in the juris within the reach of the, the law, especially a company. And um, here, there's no leverage because. Um, if she violates the terms of the DPA, like, for instance, saying actually none of those things are true that I admitted to, um, they can't do anything to her. They could try to prosecute her again, but then we have to go extradite her again. So it's a, it's unusual, and, and, and that's what makes this different. Whereas a plea agreement would have been, um, I admit to my guilt, you know, I go to court, um, I, I get a sentence from uh, the judge of some kind, usually a smaller sentence or a light sentence, maybe. But that's not what happened here. This is sort of a different kind of deal. So I'm curious, what is your take here? What does this mean for U.S. foreign policy in China, the fact that they were able to kind of do this unusual DPA? So I can see there's two things, at least for me, and I'm curious to hear what you think about Canada. But this is, I think, a deal because the uh, it's not a good deal from a sense of it really is a win for China. China got what it wanted. It got what it wanted by playing really dirty, by using two innocent people essentially as hostages. Um, and so that's sort of terrible, I think, on that level. It's a, a real loss for the U.S. However, the U.S. might be saying, well, we've been trying for years and we're not getting anywhere. There's no point in toward, uh, suffer, these two people suffering for no particular reason. And let's cut our losses and move on. And so this might be an ability for the U.S. to sort of China to at least get one thing behind them and work on trying to cooperate in other areas. So I could imagine this 
being sort of a long-term win, so to speak, for the U.S. if you want more cooperation with China. Right. I mean, that's how I've been thinking about it, too. Like, we shouldn't think of it as, like, who won, who lost. Like, there's a short-term, medium-term, and long-term game here. Um, as for Canada, yeah, I mean, I think this has served as a wake-up call. I, I don't think there's ever going to be, quote-unquote, getting back to normal with regards to Canada-China relations. I mean, you know, even as late as 2018, there'd been some discussion about there being an actual free trade agreement between Canada and China. And I think, you know, I don't expect to ever see anything like that again. So, um, you know, Canada, we really sadly don't have a foreign policy. And I mean that in a, in a very literal sense. We, for the past, you know, 15 or, or more years, we've never put out really foreign policy documents. And we have not had a lot of focus on the Indo-Pacific. So, the other interesting thing here, I guess, for, for Canada, now that this is over, is the context. It, we, say, we see this AUKUS agreement, the Australia-UK-US agreement. We see the EU developing an Indo-Pacific foreign policy. So I really think that now that this issue is over, we really do need to think about what are our interests in the region? How do we want to engage? And what do we do with a country like China that is very willing to take hostages in order to actually uh, try and achieve its foreign policy goals. So, I mean, it's yeah. interesting. Um, you were suggesting perhaps that uh, the hostage diplomacy may have worked in this case? Yeah, I mean, China China is declaring victory. Its government's not even pretending like this wasn't hostage diplomacy. They're not embarrassed yeah. about it. They, the state media is broadcasting her like, a, you know, a triumphant homecoming, and they're calling it justice prevailing. So it's, it's really shocking if you think about it. They supposedly... The two Michaels supposedly threatened Chinese national security, but apparently they could be released, no problem, no loss to U.S. Chinese national security. It's just ridiculous. And it's it's a huge loss on that front, and it really weakens our ability to use uh, extraditions against China now, I think. 